greatest, the greatest way that you and I are tripped up every day is what we're going to camp out on today. So let's stand and, and let's read and we'll see why I stalled out here. At Revelation chapter 20. Then John writes, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. So his hand's full of lots of things here. But his hands being full didn't seem to hinder him laying hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. One person, four names. And he bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should, and it's important we notice this because this is his job and we are all deceived in a lot of different ways probably that we don't even realize. So that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Skip down to verse 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison to do one thing and one thing only, the thing that he's really good at, verse 8. And he will go out to what? Deceive the nations. Verse 10. Then, I, then the, the devil who, say it, deceived them. Because that's his job. Father, this morning may we truly have ears to hear what your spirit wants to speak to us, your church. Lord, may we truly understand some of the methods that the devil uses on us in this world today. Lord, that we might truly become shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves in this world in which we live in. And so, God, please just bless our time. Lord, help us to be free from distraction, certainly one of his great deceptions. And Lord, may we be focused on you and what you want to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The battle of Armageddon has ended before it even started. We saw that last week. The, thus ending the seven-year tribulation period. And the very next thing that John sees, and team, we want to learn this here because we're going to be sitting there on our horses with Jesus and we don't want to have this puzzled look on our faces going, who is that? So it tells, he tells us here in verse 1, Then I, John, saw an angel, and that would be an unnamed angel. Not Gabriel, not Michael, not the mighty angel we saw in chapters 10 and 18, but a single unnamed angel. Not the head angel. Not the biggest, but a buck private angel not the angel that stands in the sun, but a nameless, unknown, unidentified, anonymous angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. That's the abyss, the infernal deep bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And please understand, the power is not in the chain. The power is in who is calling the shots. And he laid hold of a named angel, a fallen angel nonetheless, one who too many times lies to people that he and God are equal in a fighting match, yet God shows all who have eyes to see this morning that he can take the devil out whenever he desires because they're not equal. 
This unnamed angel laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So please take notice of this, my fellow believer. As followers of Jesus Christ walking in this world, we have got to keep a a proper perspective of who our God is and who the devil is not. And I understand parts of hyper-Pentecostalism makes it look like we've got to wrestle and rebuke and do all this stuff, but the reality is God uses an unnamed angel to take him out. And please notice, there's no wrestling match that takes place here. There's no rebuking the devil. The unnamed angel does not get the devil in a Krav Maga move and going to try and take him down. No, there's none of that. He simply chains him up for a thousand years. You and I, we know that Satan was defeated at the cross, but not to the point of imprisonment as we look around our world, because as we look around our world, he is really good at what he does, which is deceiving people. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't pull the trigger. No, he deceives people to pull the trigger. And I suggest to you and I as Christians, he deceives us more than we would maybe like to imagine. We're going to talk about a few of those today. And as long as the devil is allowed to roam free in the darkness of this world, you and I, we live in a, in a, a darkness and an atmosphere saturated with death and deception. Why? Because of the devil who deceives. We see from the very creation of the world that the devil's main goal was to destroy everything that was of God and everything that was good. When he came up to Eve and said, God, did God really say that? Deception getting her to doubt God's word. He works the same way today. It's it's no big deal to the follower of Jesus Christ that's fully clothed in their spiritual armor, who's in this fight and ready to battle. It's It's no big deal to us. But let me say this. Those who are in the battle ready to fight, they become a threat to the devil's domain and not the other way around. However, if you're not fully clothed in your spiritual armor and you're depending upon your own strength in some places of your life and some of man's wisdom in other places of your life and you're leading and directing your life sometime, then you, my fellow believer, is who the devil and his demons are coming after. See, their job is to take you down and make you ineffective for the cause of Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, his disciple, just Months before his life was taken, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Just let's kind of think about that for a second. So am I entangled in the affairs of this life? Paul writes to Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We're in a war team. And one of the devil's favorite ways to take believers out today is to get them entangled in the affairs of this present life today, making them, even though it looks like they're busy, making them ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, how is that possible, you ask? Well, simple. Because of choice. God has his choice for you. God has his best for you. And the devil provides an alternative choice for us all. See, in order for choice to be choice, there has to be two options. 
And men and women, young and old, who are followers of Jesus Christ, God has His Spirit and His Word jointly wooing us to His choice. And the devil who deceives with lies and false promises, well, he deceives with his choice. It's really that simple. And we're going to see clearly that in our study today that the devil's number one job is to deceive the lost pagan as well as the on-fire Christian and everyone in between. And you may be thinking, not me. Well, the chances are you have been. And we'll talk about that. Just you got to wait. Let me kind of build my thing as I get there. Ever since the devil thought he was better than God, I mean, think about this. God created him perfect along with all the other angels. But ever since that moment when the devil became prideful and thought he was better than God, he has continually been seeking to pull anything and everything from being followers of God to being followers of him or his stuff, and he has been really good at it. I look at my, I gave my life to Christ in December of 83. And I look, that's my starting point of where I developed some type of a different worldview. And I look at where we are today. Oh, he's working. And it's working. I mean, the devil who was perfect decided I'm going to be better than God. And he took one third of God's perfect angels away. And they rebelled together. He shows up to Eve who's perfect and deceives her with some words. Did God really say that? See, he might deceive us in ways that we can't even really, but he works based upon his lies and deception. I mean, that's why those fallen angels chose to go with him. He deceived him somehow. But here's what we need to grasp this morning. The devil indirectly works for God. See, God wants us all to love his son freely and not forcibly. And he left the devil on this earth to indirectly fulfill God's purpose and giving us all choice to rather follow after God in God's ways or to follow after the devil in the devil's ways, which would be entangled in the affairs of this world. There has to be a choice. God would, the Bible says God never tempts anyone to sin, so the devil does his bidding for him. Because God doesn't want to force anybody to worship him. I mean, God could have made everything good. God could have removed the tree. God could have removed every possibility of choice. But then without choice, we'd have been little robots with no decision or totally incapable of choosing whether or not we wanted to have fellowship with the living God. We'd have been forced to. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want to force anybody to walk with him. Notice John gave Lucifer four names here in verse 2. The dragon, meaning the devouring, vicious one. Certainly his cruelty, because he is cruel. The, uh, the serpent of old, that takes us to Genesis chapter 3, the slick willy who deceives. The devil, which means slanderer, or the accuser is his special skill set. That's what he's doing as I speak. Uh, he's accusing me. But he accuses us all before the Father, him and his demons. And then there's Satan, which means adversary. And we all should be glad he's our adversary because if he's our adversary, then God is our friend. And so we should be soaked about that. You know, God wins, he loses. That's being on the right side, that's where the battle begins. And this morning, this is recognizing for some and reminding for others that we're in a spiritual battle team. We are. 
And our enemy is the dragon, the serpent of old, the devil, and Satan. And he is out and about right now looking for those whom he can devour. However, there is coming a day, verse 3, and he, the unnamed angel, cast him into the bottomless pit, the devil, and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. Notice the place the devil is bound is a prison. It's not the lake of fire. No, he'll get tossed into that in verse 10. You know, not that this place is a country club. Oh, it's ugly. Remember, this is the very place the demons did not want Jesus to send them. But they said and said, hey, send us in the little piggies, you know, and we'll just kind of go wee-wee over the side. And that's the place where Jesus let him go because they didn't want to go to this place, the abyss. Please notice what the devil is no longer able to do for a thousand years in verse 3. Someone tell me. What is it? Say it like you mean it. Save the nations. See, that's his job today. It's to save the nations. Church, team, we have to grasp this like never before. Everything in this world that is not pointing, pushing, calling us to God is out to deceive us. Everything. God's called us. He wants us to walk with him. Anything that pushes me away from that? I mean, that's why God destroyed the religious and commercial Babylonian system that we saw in chapter 17 and chapter 18. You know, God destroyed that. Then he said, it's done. And he destroyed it because the devil had used those systems for the last 6,000 years to deceive God's people. And we must learn that that is his number one job this morning, to deceive us. And see, that's why you're here and others are not. Some push past the lies. Some listen to the Holy Ghost. And for the record, I'm not talking about those who aren't able to get out or those who are sick. No, no, I'm talking about people all across the globe who chose not to come and gather together with all the saints because of a whole list of excuses. I worked too much this week. I'm just going to take this week off. I'm tired. You see, the devil and his demons offer choice. They grabbed it. You didn't. So you, you could say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, he uses all kinds of excuses as to why people didn't come. And maybe we've all used them in the past. And yet the reason I know I'm right it's because of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let's turn there just for a minute, please. You know, back up about 20 pages and you're going to get there. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, God's inerrant, inspired, written word says this, and let us consider one another. So coming to church on Sunday morning, it's not about me. But see, the church, I've watched it, it's become a consumer. You come, you consume, you go home. So it's like, well, am I going to go today? Nah, I'm kind of tired, so I don't need to go consume today. I went last week. No, it's not about me. And let us consider one another. It's about Jesus and Jesus using me to encourage others. It can never be about me. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not 
forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Well, who's the some? They listened to the lie. The devil offered choice. They bit it. And maybe now they're just sitting at home watching it on Facebook. Yeah, you bit the wrong thing. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Man, the day is approaching, amen? It is. I'll tell you what. If, it's not, if it hasn't got worse since December of 83, then I, I'm not real sure where you've been living. It has. I can clearly see the day approaching, and so can you. And God's word says, not forsaking. But the deceiver says, hey, you went on Sunday, you're good. You don't need to go midweek. Man, don't be a fanatical. Your family will think you're a Bible thumper or something. Plus, you might catch a cold. You know, it's flu's going around. People might be there sick, and you might catch a cold, even though you haven't been sick in the last 20 years. The devil deceiving and offering alternatives to God's ways. And just basic gathering together as the bride of Christ. But that's not where it stops. The devil offers alternatives to God's ways and how marriages are destroyed today. How is that possible? Because he deceives people. I mean, look at how many are deceived each day and they, and they take their own lives. And yet, the reality is they do it because they have no hope. Jesus offers that. They have no long-term relationship. Jesus offers that. They're empty inside. Jesus offers that. And the very thing that Jesus had for them, they felt hopeless in it, so they pulled the trigger. Why? Because the devil offered choice. Failing to turn to Jesus and receiving the life, the devil offers choice. And that's why our Bible says the deceiving devil is a murderer from the beginning. Look at some of our lawmakers this last week. They believe it's okay to take the life of a baby at birth. They bought into his lie. But before you say amen and we rail upon them and scold them, I, as a child of God, must ask myself, how much of my life is devoted for praying for these lawmakers that believe that? Well, I'm busy talking about it. I can't believe they're doing that. But how much of my life is devoted to praying for them? Next up, 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. Because, see, God's Word addresses that. And we can become so busy. Well, we need a petition. We need to do that. Yeah, okay, if you're going to do that, okay, I don't see that in the Bible, but that's fine. But you better do 1 Timothy chapter 2 more. This is God's word again to you and I, the church. The church has become so judgmental of people who are lost and judgmental of things we're not supposed to be judgmental about. And then we can't understand why the world doesn't want to come around us being judgmental. Look what it says. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, president and governors, and for all who are in authority, our politicians. And here's why, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge 
of the truth. So rather than casting the first stone, if that's if I if I looked at that last week and thought, oh uh, man, did you see that? Rather than casting the first stone, I'm talking about myself. I need to get the log out of my own eyes, and I need to obey God's word here, and I need to pray that they might surrender their lives to Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4. Jesus desires that these in authority be saved. That's his will. But am I praying, church? Or am I just judging? Am I praying in verse 1 and 2? Or am I Christian casting stones, listen, at blind lawmakers? They're blind. If they're unsaved, they're blind. They, know any, they don't know anything more about anything than I do or I did before I got saved. They're blind. And that's how the devil deceives us. Making, as the church, making the politicians the guilty and accusing them rather than us, the church, praying for them. We've all guilty. We're all guilty of it. We are. Look at the hundreds of millions of abortions across the world. And many have believed the lie. I know I did. I, as an unsaved man, had no idea what abortion was. I had no idea what life started until Jesus came into my heart. I had no idea. Others said, well, how, how is that possible? You know, we did. Before we got saved, I didn't. I'm just telling you I did it. You know, when I went down to fill out an application to work in children's ministry, I'd been saved three weeks. And it said, why do you want to do this? And I said, and honest, and this is the, the exact words. I don't use this word today, but this is what I said. It's the only area in my life I never screwed up. But the reality is, no, I did because it's like, well, hey, what should, what should I do? It's like, well, I don't know. What's your alternatives? Well, I can get an abortion. What's that? I didn't know. They didn't have health class. Or if they did, I didn't. Well, I'm sure they had it. I just wasn't there. And all I could think was, well, that's going to get the guy out of the picture. Yeah, great. Do it. Didn't know. We call drunkenness an excuse to unwind after a long day at work and knock back a few each day and get a buzz on. People in the church do that. I don't care if you drink, but don't get a buzz on. Because even the world knows that buzzed driving is drunk driving, and God's Word says don't be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't care if you drink, just don't get buzzed. I mean, I could go on for hours taking all these things that, that have, the devil has deceived us with and trying to straighten them all out, but I don't want to do that. You and I must learn this this morning because God's word tells us three times here in this chapter in verses 3 and verses 8 and verses 10 that the devil's mission in this life is to deceive us. And once he deceives us, he offers alternative choices to us all. And see, whenever we are moved away from God's word, God's people, and God's presence, we're deceived. We are. And yet the only way to counter the lies is with the truth, and the only truth that is on this planet, in, the, in God's world that he created today, it's in his word. It's critical. Now, I understand that we have some awesome excuses each time we're deceived today. I'm sure I've used many of these. Too busy, too tired, other commitments, no money, no longer in love, no time, no energy, they hurt me, too much work. I mean, and that list could go on and on and on. You know, we could probably put together our own little journal. But see, those excuses, that's what the devil offers it 
when he seeks to deceive us. Team, we've got to know this, that when you and I move away from God's word, God's people, and God's presence, that is not the spirit of God leading you. So see, we don't really need to even dissect all of these things. When we're, not, when we're moving away from God's word, moving away from God's people, and moving away from God's presence, we're, we're being led, but not by the spirit of God. The devil is leading us. And he works in, in this world by offering choice to deceive and lead us away. 67 times in the scriptures, we find the root word of deceive. Deceive, deceiving, deceived. His desire is to deceive us, team. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant. Why, Peter? Here's why. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he devours by deception. So how do I do that, Peter? Well, he tells us. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, the devil is the same around the globe. Being a clear thinker, holding on to God's truth and on guard against the devil's ways will work for you just like they do with the believer in China. So like, if we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, you don't need to go there, but it says, hey, look, don't cast stones at them. Pray for them that, that we might have a peaceable life and that they might be saved. Wow! That makes sense. And so, but we have to do that with all of God's Word. That's why we teach it all. So we can sort those things out and straighten those things up. When the adversary, the, the, the lion comes... He is defeated when you and I are moving towards God's word, toward God's people, and toward God's presence. He's defeated. He's rendered powerless. Jesus declared in John 8, 44, that the devil is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And I had this, and he is really good at it. Amen? He is. So he's good at what he does. We saw in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, that, so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. Again, it blows my mind. They're all perfect. He decides he doesn't want to be, and still he takes a third of God's perfect created angels with them. Look at the end of verse 3. But after these things, he must be released for a while. You know, you might think, gosh, is that a typo? I mean, God's got him chained up. Why does he want to let him go? Well, the simple answer is, is because God's purposes are not yet completely fulfilled. Because see, when the devil is released, he's going to go to, he's going, uh, when the devil's released, God's going to judge and destroy every excuse that has ever been spoken. Because think about this. During this thousand-year reign of Christ, life's going to be perfect, as perfect as it, as it can be. A baby is going to live 100 years. The, a child will lay down, or a wolf will lay down with a lamb. A child will be able to stick his hand in a viper's den and not be bitten. I believe women are going to have childbirth with no pain, and there's, you know, life is going to be Awesome. But when the devil's let loose to go out to deceive and he deceives all these people, every excuse that's ever been out on the planet, it's my family, it's my upbringing, it's this, it's that, it's what I did, it's what I didn't do. That's why I am. That's, that's, I've become this way because of my culture, because of my upbringing. All of those excuses are going to be totally destroyed because they lived in a perfect utopia 
And they were still deceived. And they were still led away. But that's next week's Bible study. But for today, there are excuses that the devil deceives us with. The devil being let loose after that thousand-year period is going to offer people choice in that day, just like he does every day in our day. And let's face it, we make hundreds of choices a day, maybe thousands. And God's desire for us all is to become godlier and grow in grace and succeed and prosper in our walk with Jesus. I mean, that's why God has left us spiritual armor to wear and to fight with, team. And we got to have it on. Ephesians chapter 6. Next stop, please. Kind of back up a little bit more. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you or if I seek to be strong in myself in any area of my life, you know what's going to happen? I'm going down, and so are you. I got this, I'm going down. Uh, if you take an image, kind of look through your life, every time you sought to be strong in your life, I got this, I can handle this, boom, you went down. If you seek to be strong in yourself in any area of your life, you're deceived, and it's only a matter of time until you crash and burn. It's going to happen. So we want to be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might removes me from the equation. If I miss this, I've bitten into one of the devil's oldest lies in the church of the last days. Hey, you got this. Be strong. You got this. Be strong. It's pretty, it, it travels in and out of the church. Hey, you need to be strong. If I'm being strong, how can God be strong? There's a wrestling match right there. If you own, verse 10, because Jesus owns you and you daily deny yourself, you pick up your cross. I mean, you are submitted to God's word and you follow Jesus so you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might in the midst of the battle today. You are in great shape, Christian. If that's not, if that's not you, though, the devil has somehow deceived you somehow that you can, you, and yet the reality is you can only be strong in one person at a time. It's either Jesus 100% or you 100%. So that has to kind of be figured out before we even move into verse 11. You know, am, am I going to be weak so Jesus can be strong or is there going to be a wrestling match? Are there areas in my life where I'm strong in me? If there is, you've got to recognize that, you've got to repent, and you've got to move forward to fight. So you can't even be weak in the Lord and in his power. Because see, no matter how much armor you put on, if you're weak in the Lord and weak in his power, you're going to get pounded. No, it's very clear. We have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, getting stronger day by day, allowing his power to drive us through the day. Remember what Jesus told his boys? Hey, look, I want you to go out into all the world and change the world, but I want you to stay in, in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We need that power today, church. But I have to recognize my own weakness before I ask for that power today and tomorrow and hundreds of times tomorrow. Or do I just go through life, I got this, I got this, and then I get to the end of my day going, oh, wow, I didn't even ask for the Lord's strength or power in anything today. It's easy to do. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. Whose armor is it? It's God's. Put on the whole armor of God, and here's why, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in the Greek is methodia. We get our English word method or methods. 
So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the methods of the devil. And when you put on this whole armor of God, you got to put all of it on. Yeah, you can't pick and choose. Like, okay, I'm going to take on Christ's righteousness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Belt the truth, though. Now, I still want to rail on those politicians. Yeah, I hear what you say, but man, they just get under my skin. Okay, so then just don't put on the belt of truth. But you can't. You got to put it all on or none of it. See, God's not word is not going to allow you to take some. No, it says put on all the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. And as you put on the whole armor of God, you are able to stand against the devil's methods and God's power and in God's might and in God's strength, and you will be victorious. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's word wants to help you. Tell him. And he wants to help you identify one of those methods of the devil. That's a long sentence. He wants to help you identify one of the methods of the devil. Okay? Because if I get this one, I got the whole thing, probably. It's really important. This is, and this is, this is first grade reading level language right here. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the methods of the devil. And the first method we see listed here is a big one in verse 12. Let's read it together. Okay? You got your Bible there? Let's read. For we do not wrestle against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There are two groups here. There's flesh and blood. Anybody need a definition on what that is? You know, we could cut Barry and say that's his flesh and now that's his blood, okay? And then there's ranks of fallen angels who are our enemies. One group you and I are to love all the time. Jesus says, look, here's the deal. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as you already love yourself. So one group we are to love and the other group we are in a spiritual battle with. You get those two groups mixed up, you're in trouble. You've bitten into the devil's deception. I mean, if you're battling the wrong enemy, you've been deceived. Remember we saw clearly in Revelation 20 that the devil's core disease is deceive and all the evil that comes from deceive are these little symptoms of his lie like this person is your issue. No, no, no. Those that you and I see today, we are called to love. Those that are unseen are our real enemy. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how to make that much simpler than that. Other than whoever you, or whenever you battle someone that you can see, no matter how good your facts or reasons are, you're deceived and you're wrong because the Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood. You're just wrong. It doesn't mean you can't have a conversation about it. But when you dig in and you fight, you're wrong. Church needs to understand this. James says in chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say he is tempted. I am, when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. How dare they say that about me? 
Own it, team. Don't blame others. You're the one choosing to battle flesh and blood. Politicians are our enemy. No, no, we're to love them. We're to pray for them. Spouse isn't our enemy. We're to love them. Team, we've got to own it. The devil being released after a thousand-year reign of, of Jesus Christ is going to be for one purpose and one purpose only. That's going to be for God's purpose to be accomplished on this earth to offer choice. And God's offering you and I choice to recognize our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against unseen forces of darkness. You know, when we come in here and we gather in here at 7.30 and we pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, drive out all the darkness and all the weird stuff that's here and flood this place with those angels who are going to minister to those who will inherit salvation. I mean, let's face it, there's plenty of darkness in the schools today. Of course, we don't see that. We would never, maybe not even think that. But yet, to teach evolution or any of these crazy things that they teach, the, the devil and his demons have to be somewhere in the details. I mean, the devil, his mode of operation is to deceive you and me to go after anything that will quiet us, get us busy and sidetracked, and just, got, and just get caught up in the ways of this life and not caught up in the ways of Jesus Christ. That's his, that's his end game. You see, if the devil can get us doing anything but what God wants his church to do, then he wins and we will be ineffective for the kingdom of God on this earth and this church. We are reaping what was sowed 50 years ago. God forbid that we last another 50 years, then our grandkids will be living in what we sowed today. And if we sow nothing, that's what they're going to get. way it is. I mean, we, we, you have to kind of admit it's kind of a masterful plan of how the enemy works. You know, we must realize that from the moment of salvation, there has always been an adversary out there trying to ruin everything that God wants to do in you and God wants to do for you. We need to understand that we're, we may occasionally bite on his lures and we all do. But that's okay. We spit them out, we repent, and we go the other way. The Scripture tells us plainly in Revelation 20, verse 3, and if you haven't underlined it, you should. Satan is bound so that he should deceive the nations no more. Man, a five-year-old can understand that. That's been his job from the beginning. And so you and I, we've got to come to grips with this team and realize where the real battle lies. It's not with the government or people we see. That's what the devil wants us to think. We don't fight against flesh and blood, nor do we fight against those authorities that God put in place. It always baffles me. I can't believe that person. Hey, um, God put them in authority. Well, um, (laughs) don't do that. God places them in authority. Don't find yourselves looking busy fighting with God where instead the word says, no, pray for him. We don't want to look busy and all. If we're not living God's ways, then let's not be busy doing the devil's ways. Because see, if we get busy doing, because we get deceived, thinking this is what we need to do, and yet it runs contrary to God's word, one is stoked and the other 
is grieved. And let's face it, God is long-suffering. God will allow it to go on and on and on for a long time. The devil's plan from the beginning has always been to deceive, to divide, and to destroy. Man, if the devil can get student against teacher, sheep against shepherd, husband against wife, wife against husband, children against parents, parents against children, employee against employer, and vice versa, or you against authority, he will always win every single time. Let's face it. He's winning, but the cure to him losing is simply doing the Word of God. It's not complicated. It's, it's, it's an easy. It could, it could literally change overnight. The church realizes all the places we're deceived, and we go back to doing the Word of God. The world would literally flip right side up rather than being upside down right now. It flipped right side up to the, where, the place God wants it. Whether it's short-term or long-term, division's always been his tactic. All you have to do is look at the church today. It's a divided mess. Some are well-meaning. Others are looking for a cause to fight. All of them are deceived if they're thinking that those people in the church, are, are the flesh and blood is the problem. And certainly then the church splits. And there's lots of church splits down through the ages. Look at the family structure today. It's divided in a mess. Look at our country today. It's divided in a mess. I mean, again, I look at my starting point, December of 83, and I look at where we are now. Man, Lord, what have I been missing? And then there's Jesus. All you have to do is mention the name of Jesus today, and some people get so fired up and become divided. People are deceived about what they think their cause is today. However, in the church, our cause must be that which Jesus left us, which is to go out into all the world and make disciples, preaching the gospel, teaching them all things, declaring that Jesus has resurrected. Anything but that as the core of our mission, we're deceived. We are. Yeah, we can go out and feed people, but if we don't share them the truth, all we're doing is leading them to a path of condemnation. You've got to teach people, then feed them, not the other way around. The warning's been given. It's going to take us 12 years probably to get back to this place where we kind of focus in on how the devil's main job in our lives is to deceive us. Look at what you're investing your life into. Look at those thoughts that we all have. We all have them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, God's word clearly says we need to punish those carnal thoughts with God's word. You've got to punish them. We all have them. Because if you don't punish those thoughts, they will deceive you and you will dwell on them. And if we don't punish those thoughts as we're dwelling on them, they will cloud your thinking. And if you don't punish those thoughts when they're clouding your thinking, the next thing you know, you're going to be somewhere doing something, asking yourself, self, how did I get here? I can tell you how, because you didn't punish those, because I didn't punish those carnal thoughts. That's what God's Word says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Punish all those carnal thoughts. Bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ and punish those things. Put them down. Put them away. Call them out for what they are. We want to learn from the word of God, follower of Jesus, that the devil has been on deception. We want to heed the warnings in the scriptures. 
And don't let the devil lie to you thinking that none of this is true in the book of Revelation. There's a lot, big part of the church thinks it's not true. It's more of symbolic or allegory or, well, you know, it's just spiritually. It's not really physical practically. That's not true. And we'll talk about that next week. Resist him steadfast in the faith and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might as you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the methods of the devil, always keeping in mind that you never, ever wrestle against flesh and blood, flesh and blood ever. To do so, that's the de- what the devils offer. That's the choice he offers. To recognize that person is not my enemy is victory and God wins and God's stoked. For the devil... He's always defeated by truth. Truth is always found in Jesus. And we saw that when Jesus comes, he comes and and on his side it says one of his names is the word of God. He's kept it. It's preserved for us so that we can have a fighting chance of navigating through this thing called life. And so church, pick it up at home. Draw near to God. Give him the opportunity to speak to you. Step into his presence. Allow him to speak away some of those lies that the enemy might try and catch us up in. Father, we're thankful for all that you want to do in our lives.